You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I kind of lost track myself. But being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, Bunk? What did you think of our first episode? I liked it, man. I thought it was good. You know, I thought it, it came out pretty interesting. I like this whole uh, no yeah. format thing. Right? It's good to not have rules. Yeah. <laughs> have enough, enough rules. Yeah, this is very true. Um, did you happen to watch uh, SNL this past weekend? No. No? <laughs> I didn't. But you can still bring it up. Well, no. I mean, just I, I thought it was... Just as much as I talk about like how I'm not a big fan of Margot Robbie, um, mm-hmm. her the first sketch they I think they had or the monologue yeah. was her monologue was pretty good, and then her uh, the the first sketch or I don't know if it was the first one or not, but it was like a, a recorded one like a video where Bobby Moy she's playing like this. Uh, oh no, it wasn't that. There was the one they were at like a a Target or something like that, and a, a, a sinkhole opened up. And ate some cars and stuff, and she's um, the the like a reporter is is like trying to interview her and her husband, and she's smoking hot, and the husband's not, and they're they, like all the news people are just like, wait, you're married to this guy, and I just I was cracking up, I don't know why. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I will definitely have to try and go back and watch that. Yeah, the the, the cold open with um. Alec Baldwin and Kate McKinnon as mm-hmm. Donald Trump and uh, uh, Hillary Clinton, respectively, uh, was pretty right. funny too. That already sounds amazing. Yeah, I think it's it's been on a lot of social media already, but just I I wanted to bring it up. I thought it was very funny. So yeah, no, I will definitely I will definitely try and watch it. It sounds <laughs> hilarious. So over uh, you know over on Facebook, I I, I asked people uh, what who their favorite actor or actress was. Um, who, who is it that you will always go see in the movie theater, Richard? Oh, so we're, t- we're not talking like they're acting. We're talking like their star power, right? Uh, either way. I, Cause personally me, Gary Oldman, <laughs> I love, I I'll watch Gary Oldman in anything. He, he's a chameleon. I think he's a great, tremendous actor. So what, what would it be for you? Well, right. Right. But, no, 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 but that's what I'm saying. Like, are we talking like strictly acting ability, or are we talking like star power? Like, you will go watch them. Oh, I want. I I don't see the difference. I guess. Well, like, okay, like, I love Daniel Day Lewis, and I think he's the greatest actor to probably ever live. Okay. But if I was thinking like, who's someone that I would just watch every single thing they're in? It's probably Bill Murray. <laughs> So like, you don't account Bill Murray for having acting ability? You just account him for having star power? No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not discrediting his acting at all. I'm just saying, like, when I'm thinking about it, like, I'm just saying, like, their favorite actor is in like only based off of like their performances and the roles they've done, or like, it doesn't matter because like, okay, Daniel Day Lewis, like, I don't think is ever been in. Um, 
a movie that I was like, oh, that movie doesn't look good, but I'm going to go watch it because Daniel Day-Lewis is in it. Like, pretty much every movie Daniel Day-Lewis is in is like, wow, that genuinely looks like a really awesome movie. But, like, <laughs> with other people, you see stuff and you're like, oh, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I even think about The Rock and stuff, right? Like, you see a lot of the movies that Rock does and you're like, eh, I don't, I don't know. But then you're like, but it's The Rock. I, actually, like, I, oh, my God. I disagree with huh? you because I was going to say I disagree with you because there hasn't been a Rock movie yet that I haven't been like, I, I got to go see that. <laughs> but it's because of The Rock. It's not because of, like, the story. You know what I mean? Well, like, I don't know. There's, I think maybe there's only one movie that I that I've seen The Rock in that I thought was really bad, and that was probably Faster, which was uh, the one where he he's like this dude that gets out of jail and he wants to go get the revenge on all the people that killed his brother and put him in jail. Okay, okay. Here we go. Litmus test. All right. A movie about earthquakes where the world <laughs> crumbles into shambles. No rock in it. Are you watching that movie? Oh, you're right. I totally blocked out San Andreas. That was a terrible movie. <laughs> but he makes it awesome. Like you literally watch that movie because of the rock, and yeah, you're like, "Oh my god, you want to see him, You want to see him punch an, an earthquake? So <laughs> I do. I you know I really do. I want him to be at the end of that movie and be like, "Well, what do we do now? We strike back." <laughs> like yes. Uh, you're right. Okay, fair enough. Uh, that that is true with other rock. Yeah, of course. Oh, we're already going. Oh, we're going. Oh, I don't even know because we <laughs> was like, see this? I I never even know when we're going. <laughs> I might have had more politically accurate questions or answers to those questions than I know well, when we were recording. Well, you know me. I got my gotcha journalism going on. That's true. You do. <laughs> I gotta. I gotta play that up like, so, i didn't know we were covering these topics <laughs> i said we were off record <laughs> yeah right well, i was like over here like screwing with my headphones like trying to make sure they're plugged in right and like we're already recording we're already going well uh some of the answers that we got on facebook were uh adam conchola said that tom cruise said since 1983 even though he was born in 1995 he's been a huge fan so uh I haven't say I'd have to say there's probably not I don't think there's more than a handful of movies that I haven't seen of Tom Cruise's, you know what I mean? Like like Tom Cruise movies. Yeah, I mean I would have to agree with that just off the top of my head. I I don't think I've missed that many Tom Cruise films. Um then again, I mean maybe I have just in the sense of them being out before I was old enough to watch movies. True. You know that and well it's also like it was only like maybe six months ago that I watched uh, Days of Thunder for the first time. So, uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> what? It's true. It's true. I, for, the, for the first time, yeah. And I, I didn't realize how much was taken from, uh, or like how much uh, Talladega Nights was taken from D- Days of Thunder. Oh no! It it absolutely is. That's like, and I th- to me, I think that's what made Teledega Nights funnier for me than because uh, I think if I remember correctly, when Teledega Nights came out, you were like, ah, eh, it's okay, right? Like you weren't the biggest fan of it, were you? Yeah, exactly. No, I wasn't. I was like, ah, I don't, I don't, I don't quite get all the humor and stuff like that. I don't, I don't get. But yeah, now watching, now that I have watched Days of Thunder, I'm like ah. A lot of that was a callback to this other movie. <laughs> yep. You know, the interesting thing, though, about Tom Cruise is um, you could actually probably sit down and watch all of his movies. He's only been in about, uh, 
Uh, well, I mean, if you count the films that he has in post-production and that have been announced, he's he's only acted in 45 uh, films, credited-wise. That actually, so, yeah, I mean, that for, really isn't that difficult. Yeah, for a career that spanned 40, dec- or 40 decades, four decades. 40 decades? <laughs> I knew he was a vampire! He's like Keanu Reeves. He lives forever. He's <laughs> Yeah, for it's, a career that real that's uh, spanned four decades, he that's not a lot of uh, um, credits to his, to his name. But I mean, if you ever listen, did you ever like watch his uh, Inside the Actor Studio where he talks to James Lipton about his process? I I have not, but I would definitely love to go back and watch that. I think that would be amazing. It was, at least I thought it was. I think I think he's, you know, all the controversy aside with uh, his private life uh he's an interesting guy i think i think he's an interesting actor the way he he approaches parts uh i listened to him when he talked about edge of tomorrow with uh chris hardwick on the nerdist podcast and mm-hmm. you, you get this whole sense about how he just really loves movies and you know like making movies everything about movies you know they asked chris hardwick asked him if he would be interested in directing sometimes he's like no I'm, I'm an actor i like being an actor i like doing the process of acting and stuff like that. And then uh, when I was at Comic-Con and they were doing the panel for uh, Edge of Tomorrow, you know, he was up there and he was, I mean, how much of it is a show because he is an actor and he knows how to do it, but he was fanboying out over, uh, uh, oh man, why am I forgetting his name right now? This is terrible. Fuck, uh, Carlos from True True Lies. Carlos from True Lies. <laughs> Come on, Carlos. You know Carlos. No, man, a spy wouldn't pee himself. Oh, um. Oh, Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. I kept wanting to say Bill yeah. Pullman, and I was like, that's not right at all. But yeah, he that was, was just... a that was a not too bad Im- impression you just did there. <laughs> I, I, I admit, my it wasn't your impression that threw me off. It was just my brain processing slowly that uh, made me not get to that quicker. <laughs> and the fact that you used his terrorist name, <laughs> his fake terrorist name versus his actual uh, character name. Right. Well, I couldn't hilarious. think of that. All I could think about was Arnold talking about, "Come on, Carlos." <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to do it with that. That well, that voice we made last week was the same voice that he used. Your name will be Boris. Oh, that's right. and mine will be Doris. Oh, <laughs> I don't want to be Doris. Would it be Natasha? Yeah, uh, Would it be Natasha? Uh, Natasha Romanoff. But no, yeah. While while at the Comic Con panel, like because Bill Paxton is in um, Edge of Tomorrow with him. Like he was literally just like fanboying out on stage, and I thought that was incredible for a guy who's, you know, a megastar in his own right. No, absolutely, and I think um, his real name was Simon, or his character's name was Simon, by the way. Um, <laughs> no, I, I totally agree with you, and I think that's kind of one of the unfortunate things that happens to actors is like, oh well are they ever being genuine because they're an actor? Like they can just do all these emotions. How do I ever know if they're being real? And so it's like, it kind of sucks that we do think that way. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I totally get where you're coming from. I just think like in terms of like society, I think it's kind of unfortunate that we think that way sometimes where we're like, Oh, we can't tell if they're being genuine on these shows because they're actors. And it's like, yeah, but there's still people like, yeah, no, you're right. You know, but, but that's also, I mean, that's just, our human nature at this point in our society is to not Absolutely. trust first. 
So absolutely, no, totally agree. And I mean, I I think we would be the same way. I think you know, if we ended up with Disney money in our laps and like we were doing <laughs> this awesome Marvel movie, and you know, the the Rock or somebody walked out as the Black Atom, like we would be like, oh my god, it's the Black Atom! Like I would freak out if I was on like you know the Deadpool movie and Ryan Reynolds walked out in the Deadpool costume. I would just be like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god! Like it would it would be bad. Like it would be bad. You know what it it would be if the two of us were there? It would be like that footage that you used to see. Uh, back in the early '90s, late '80s, of uh, you know, teen teen girls at a Michael Jackson concert, <laughs> they would be screaming so loud they would faint and get trampled. That would be oh us. <laughs> that, that, no, that that definitely sums up my geekdom of everything that I geek out about. Like I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm going in the wrong industry because uh, I'm gonna have a hard time. <laughs> controlling myself working on some of these projects i'm just like this is the most amazing thing ever <laughs> you know we will get you one of those uh th- uh like shock collars that you put on on dogs or something we'll put it around <laughs> your your leg and anytime you start to freak out a little bit someone will shock you from from around the corner <laughs> that might be a great idea actually I did want to say this, though, because I was kind of looking this up while we were talking here, but to give you, and I don't know if this is necessarily a fair comparison, but to give you a comparison, uh, Samuel Jackson has 165 credits. (laughs) This is true. Look up uh, Danny Trejo if if you want to look at how many credits people have. But yeah, Yeah, Sam's... Sam Jackson, you know, is uh, that's one of the I, I would say running jokes of people who talk about movies is that Sam Jackson will do just about any movie that's put in front of him, uh, which I don't know. I I always like Sam Jackson when Sam Jackson plays Sam Jackson. So <laughs> wow. So Danny Trejo, do you want to take a do you want to take a guess? <laughs> so what would you say was Sam Jackson one hundred twenty? Uh, no, like one sixty four. One sixty four. Okay, I'm gonna say Danny Trejo is closer to three hundred sixty five. He has one sixty five. Okay, three hundred is my answer. Oh well, you're close. It's three hundred twenty four. Wow. So yeah, like because I, I was listening yeah. to another podcast. You'll listeners, you'll 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 tend to learn that I listen to a lot of podcasts. But I was listening to another podcast where Danny Trejo was talking about how uh, you put a script in front of him and say that you're at least going to give him lunch, and he will do the script. <laughs> he will do the movie. He will do the part. Uh, I wish I would have known that sooner. <laughs> I could have totally provided him lunch and had him appear in my movie. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know where I would have him in there yet, but uh, I, I would have, I could have written something in. You know, and he says he does a lot of college movies too. So, uh, yeah, next, the Why next. Why am one, I just hearing this? I don't know. I guess I'm a bad friend. I should have mentioned it earlier. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's all right. Yeah, your we'll next have to get one. Get him in on the next one. Yeah, oh exactly. Your next one. That's amazing. <laughs> like we got Danny Trejo. It's amazing. <laughs> he just wanted a sandwich. That's it. <laughs> it was awesome. I'll give him two sandwiches. <laughs> Look at hey, hey, hey! Don't do his agents work for him, okay? <laughs> Oh, true, true. <laughs> Let them negotiate the sandwich to uh, to film ratio here. 
Uh, well, actually, speaking. Oh, sorry. Did well, you? I just wanted to go on with uh, some more, uh, some more of the answers that we got on Facebook. But if you had something oh, yeah, else, yeah. To... Okay. no, no, no. Go ahead. We'll come back. Go well, ahead. Daniel Daniel Barroso, who's also a contributor on or host yeah. on Televised Heroics, he said uh, most likely his answer would be Michael Fassbender, and oh, you know, I, I would say, I mean, is in comparison to some of the other actors out there, he's fairly new on the scene. I would say. Uh, but I have enjoyed just about every movie I've seen him in so far, uh, except for Jonah Hex. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think that's his fault. No, uh, no, of course not. Well, sorry, I just had you on there. Um, no, yeah, I I would definitely agree that he is a phenomenal actor, and yeah, he's really only been uh, in the industry, credited-wise, working since about 2001. So, I mean, in terms of a lot of your major celebrities, like, that's pretty fairly recent. And I would even argue that he really didn't get mega notoriety until, what, 2006 with uh, 300, maybe? Yeah, 300, even, even 300. Perhaps even slightly after that, even, like, yeah. Yeah, because I think, I think when I first start, really started noticing him was, was X-Men First Class, and then when I went back and watched 300, I was like, oh, same guy. So, Oh, I see, I knew that that was him. Um, and, I mean, he was also in Inglorious Bastards. That's true. His, his part's pretty small in Inglorious Bastards, though. Mm-hmm. But no, memorable. it is. Definitely. So no, yeah. I mean, I would, I would definitely agree that that probably helps. I mean, I would say that probably helped at least propel him a little bit more in the American film market. And then, yeah, I would, yeah, I would say X Men definitely probably is what really has skyrocketed him. I would imagine that probably helped pretty significantly. Let me ask you. I wanted to watch that movie he did, Frank, but I haven't seen that yet. You know what? I I haven't seen that yet either, and lots of people tell me I should watch it. But let me ask you this. Did you watch his the last movie of his that came out, The the Light Between the Oceans or something like that? No. Um, I heard about it, and it looks interesting, but I have not seen it yet. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet either. And I mean, I don't know if I really wanted to, but uh, I, I, did, I did remember hearing about it coming out. I know that you are very excited for one of his upcoming movies, which would be Assassin's Creed. Yes, I am. I actually made a, a little video about it that uh, we put up on the Geek Elite Radio YouTube page, which, uh, yeah, I need to do more of those. Um, <laughs> haven't been doing well at keeping up with that yet. Well, um, I mean, you do have a lot on your plate right now, so... <laughs> I do, but I always try to fit more on there. Um, and I had a lot of fun making it, but no, I did a, I did a video on it where uh, it was, if you haven't, I mean, obviously you've seen it, but anybody listening hasn't seen it. I talked very, very briefly about it because at the point where I made the video, there wasn't a whole lot of details about the film. And then uh, I also tried to weave it in with like a top 10 video game to film adaptation. Uh, but yeah, I am definitely excited about that. It comes out this year around the holiday times. And I think it's interesting because... Up to this point, Assassin's Creed, the video game, has pretty much been an annual title. So every year we're seeing a video game come out, and this year we're not. This year we're not getting any Assassin's Creed in the terms of a video game format. We're just getting this film. Well, that is strange. I didn't even think about that. Because, yeah, yeah. a lot of Assassin's Creed games usually come out one a year. Mm Mm-hmm. So this will be the first time that we are given an hour-and-a-half, two-hour film versus... 
a multiple hundred hour video game. So I I think that perhaps that's maybe an interesting call, maybe a good call. Maybe it'll drive more people to the movie, although I would imagine most people were going to go see it anyway. But I think the star power behind it with uh, Michael Fassbender, Fassbender would, is not going to hurt it. It's definitely going to help it. So uh, I can see it, you know, a lot of people going to see it otherwise, anyways. Yeah, and I'm really interested to see it too because the director is Justin Kurzel, uh, which he did the re-adaptation for film of Macbeth earlier, uh, no, not this year, last year, 2015, with Michael Fassbender, and that movie looked amazing. Yeah, it did. Um, so I need I need to actually go watch that too. But yeah, he's he's not done a whole lot of work. I mean, he's only done like six or seven films. So I was just curious to see how he does with this, considering his background of Macbeth, which looked pretty awesome. Um, would you say okay, not to jinx it any or anything, but do you think that this will probably be the best video game to movie adaptation that we've seen yet? Uh, you know, it's it's really really tough to make that call because I I mean I remember when the trailers for Prince of Persia came out and I remember thinking okay this looks like it could be really good and it had a lot of really big name people attached to it I mean we had Jake Gyllenhaal we had Jim Arden uh, I think Jerry Bruckheimer was involved Alfred uh, Molina well. yeah Alfred Molina so I mean we had like a really good cast and then that movie kind of fell flat. But I think the difference is, from what I understand of it, is that with this film, Ubisoft, who is the game developer that makes Assassin's Creed, created their own film studio to make this film. And what I'm hoping happens is the Marvel effect, in the sense that that's when comic book movies really got good. Correct. Or exceptional, perhaps, is when Marvel had its own studio and was given the freedom to do what Marvel does. And when you go back and you look at a lot of the story from Assassin's Creed, there's a tremendous storytelling there. You know what I mean? Like, they have a really great, strong narrative. It's just the question now of can they take a narrative that unfolds over 30 to 50 hours and condense that down effectively into two hours? And I think that they can. And the fact that Michael Fassbender was, like, so excited about being involved in this project and was, like, actively seeking out to work on it, I think also kind of speaks a lot about his faith in the project and his commitment to it. Kind of like how, I don't think it's quite as extreme, but, like, how Ryan Reynolds was with with Deadpool. Right. Where he was really trying to get that film done, from what I understand of it, and you know, this is a lot of, of it is uh, internet rumor, but from what I understand of it, Michael Fassbender was kind of doing that same thing with the Assassin's Creed film. So, I mean, to me, I'm really hoping that that becomes this patient zero of a transition into actually making really good adaptations out of video games. Because I think there is some that have tremendous stories that would lend themselves very well to that, but they just haven't been done yet, so... Yeah, no, I and I think I, I personally, yeah, I'm excited about the movie. So to and know that there's a lot of uh, good, at least you know, uh, honest work going into it. You know, makes me feel better about it. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, we've we've got a lot of uh, good quality actors on this too. I mean, Michael, um, oh, not Michael, Jeremy Irons is involved. Um, Magneto and Alfred are going to be working together. I know, right? It's so <laughs> weird. Uh, I can't remember her name, but she played uh, what was it Ma in uh, Inception? In, in oh, um, Marianne Colliard. Colliard. Yeah, she's in it as well, and she's a phenomenal actress. So, I mean, we definitely have some really good people involved with the project. So, hopefully, hopefully it plays out well for everyone. Yeah. Uh, so, our last uh, entry was a, a listener or Facebook follower by the name of Keegan Moran. Uh, he had to say, I would have to say Brad Pitt or Mark Wahlberg. And, you know, I don't know if you would have said Mark Wahlberg probably 20 years ago, I would have laughed in your face. But <laughs> I now I I would... I would say, yeah, he's a big draw. I like I like just about every Mark Wahlberg movie I watch. Yeah, I do too. I'm actually really excited about his new one, but I and I've heard really good things about his movie. I just again, I haven't had the opportunity to go watch it, but but I, I think that would have shocked a lot of people if you would have said that to them, you know, like you said, 20 years ago, because I mean, he was predominantly known as a musician, and you know, he had the what was it the Funky Bunch. Yeah. And then he did like the underwear modeling and things. So yeah, I mean, I could, you know, I could totally understand that. But yeah, I've I've been a, a huge fan of his ever since I watched The Big Hit back in the day. And I mean, I loved that movie. <laughs> and I just I thought it was amazing, but that and that was like 98 probably back back around there sometime. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, I mean like from that all the way up to, you know, the uh what was it? Uh uh, Daddy's home, uh, like he does really well in that. Uh, Ted, you know the Ted movies. I do like that about him. I think the fact that he can do comedy just as well as drama or action. Like, he, I mean, you might he's I, I don't know I don't know. There's not a lot of uh, award talk around him, but I, I think he's very versatile and he, he likes to do different roles. Uh, I mean, look at the fighter and then go and look at Ted, like you were saying. Yeah, no, I think he definitely does a great job of pushing himself to be in a lot of different extremes. I mean, he was also in, um, was it the prisoners and lone survivor, uh, boogie nights. I mean, like he's, he's literally had a very, very diverse career, probably more diverse than a lot of other people. I would speculate. I mean, a lot of people tend to play it kind of safe, and take kind of the same uh, similar roles over and over again, and I would definitely say it seems as if he's wait pushed himself. Prisoners? Yeah, wasn't he involved with that? I don't think he acted in it, but wasn't he like a producer on that? Oh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was like a producer on that, and then he was a producer on Entourage. So well, I knew he was a producer just, on Entourage and on Ballers now, I, but like I, I should have specified that a little bit better. <laughs> he. He diversifies himself not only through acting, but just his career in general. That's true. Uh, that's what I was trying to say with Prisoners, because I'm pretty positive that he was a producer on that. Okay. Um, but yeah, I did not I did not communicate that very effectively. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you're right. Entourage, uh, Ballers, uh, you're right. And I think Ballers is actually doing pretty well on... And I, I wonder how much of that came around because of... Uh, what's the movie that they did with Michael Bay? Um, Pumping Gun or... 
pump pain and gain. Pain and gain. Pump and gun. Yeah, pump and gun. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's that'll be the sequel. That will be the um, sequel. Pain and gain two. Pump and gun. <laughs> uh, no, but I, yeah, I, I definitely think that he's had a very diverse career, both in front of and behind the camera. And I, I, yeah, I would definitely say that. I think if he, I think if he landed the right role and pushed himself and maybe did something with like prosthetics, because it's like that's what the academy usually really starts eating up is when you have these huge, huge, transformative roles. You know what I mean? So I think if he was to do something with prosthetics and just completely alter himself, that he would win an academy award. Okay, I mean, you, you talk about Mark Wahlberg and prosthetics. You just think, you have to think about Boogie Nights, right? <laughs> Well, not that kind of prosthetic. Oh, okay. But yes, <laughs> but yeah, that that's uh, that was for sure. <laughs> I don't I don't mean like that because then he would have definitely won an award. Uh, I don't know if it would have been an Academy, but <laughs> but no, I just like I don't know. You think about that, and it's like you look at uh, what Sandra Bullock, and she kind of took a break for a while, and she kind of got away from the comedies and stuff, and then she came back and did a drama with uh, Blind was Side? it The Blind Side, right? And she, you know wins. The Academy Award, right? Well, hell, look, um, look at it. Right, we're in the middle of the reconnaissance, you know. <laughs> that was my next one that I was going to bring up. Like he was another person that was kind of locked into doing rom-coms. romantic comedies, and he said, "I don't want to do this anymore." And I think he took like a couple of years off and turned down a ton of roles and a ton of money, and then he came back, and you know, he's won awards and he's making amazing performances and. I don't not to say that I want to see Mark Wahlberg disappear from films for two years. I don't, but I just I think that if he was to do something kind of along the lines of what they did with like Foxcatcher and really just like push himself to the extreme of being transformatively different, I think he could actually win one. I, I wouldn't doubt it. I, I mean I, I would have to say that he had to have come close with, with Fighter. Uh, or maybe even Lone Survivor, because I mean both of those movies were were pretty dramatic. I mean, yet they didn't have any prosthetics, like you were saying. But I think he 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 had to dive in uh, a little bit more than he usually does, mm-hmm. especially since they were real people. Oh uh, yeah, no, totally. And I mean, I think that whenever whenever you have a real whenever you have a real person's story, I think there's genuinely a side of you that wants to be as organic, not organic, authentic to that person as possible to tell their story, you know what I mean? So I could totally understand why those would be the two roles that he maybe pushed a lot harder than normal. Not to say that he doesn't push hard, you know, not to say that he's not hard on himself with every role he does, but just to be more transformative and come out of that safe zone that you can typically fall into as an actor, I think. Right, yeah. I mean... Well, I mean, it kind of brings you up to the movie that he had that came out this weekend with Deep, Deepwater Horizon. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't go see it, but, I mean, obviously based on a true story. Yeah, I'm definitely going to go check it out. I, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, but I definitely want to go watch it. I've heard a lot of really good things about it, and so I'm definitely curious to go check it out. And then his uh, Keegan's other answer of Brad Pitt, I would have to say that he probably has less uh, credits on his than uh, Tom Cruise did, right? I mean, it seems like he, he he. I mean, you remember the movies that he's in, but you don't. I don't think he's done a lot. I'm not 
sure, honestly. Brad Pitt? I mean, uh, I mean, I think the first movie you think about when you think Brad Pitt has, has to be Fight Club. Maybe Mr. and Mrs. Smith, the Ocean's movies. Yeah, he's been in about 75 as credited. Okay. So, so that's around the same number as Tom Cruise, right? It's close. I mean, Isn't 45, that... 75. Oh, 45. Oh, well, there you go. It's uh, close. <laughs> it's, I'll tell you what, he's a lot closer to Brad Pitt than Samuel Jackson is to Danny Trejo. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but, you know, I kind of wanted, wanted to talk about this, too. And, I mean, I don't ever really want us to become a, a political... Um, podcast or anything like that i, I love oh. the i love the fact that we're you know a geek podcast and we just we're, we're talking about whatever but with the most recent allegations that have come out about brad pitt and his divorce or separation from angelina jolie like is there ever any actor or director or anything like that that you would refuse to go watch their movie because of something either they've done or like how they stand politically like Clint Eastwood is a huge uh, conservative Republican, like, you know, even to the point where at the national, uh, the Republican National Convention, he had that whole speech that he's, he was acting towards a empty chair, but it was supposed to be Obama, or on another case would be like uh, Roman Polanski, would you go watch another one of his movies knowing what you, you know that he's been uh, accused of, and the only reason why he never went to trial is because he skipped the country. Uh, first off, that's a that's a that's a very tough question with your gotcha journalism going <laughs> on right there. Um, second of all, Brad Pitt and Angelina are breaking up. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Everyone knows that. Okay, I was gonna um, say, you, have you not like turned on anything in the last week? Right. No, no, no. I know. Um. So, would I go watch a film based on allegations of of the person? I would say yes. I I still would because to me, and and I don't know. This might come off kind of douchebaggery because I'm a filmmaker, but to me, the film should be so much more than the person, right? Because that one person isn't the only person Making that, that film. made that film. There's a whole lot of other people that I would want to go out and support that were involved in that project and worked very hard to bring that project to life. And I think that, you know, essentially it's, it's, I can respect by why people would make that choice. But for me personally, I really don't think I could ever make that decision. Although I guess I really shouldn't say that because I have a story about something similar to that. So maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, ha I, I will say this, I guess this might be the fairer, most accurate question. I have not done that with a film yet. Okay. Uh, I don't believe that I would do that, but I kind of have done that a little bit with an author. So I will just say that. Okay. And you know what? I'm, I guess I would have to say that it goes by, uh, 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 on a trial by trial basis, I guess, or case by case basis, because, I did go and see uh, The Ninth Gate, you know, which I believe is a Roman Polanski movie, right? I'm not sure it could be. Am I thinking of someone else? Are you talking The Ninth Gate with Johnny Depp? Yeah, no, yeah, he directed that movie. So, 
uh, and and the pianist. So I mean, I watched those movies, but what he's accused of, and you know, more than likely did, uh, is or actually, you know, did. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't want to be too over politically correct, and I don't want to just excuse what happened. But I saw those movies. You could probably say that maybe uh, I didn't understand what what hell was going on at the time, but I did see those movies. Well, I think it's interesting that you bring that. Up. Were you were you bringing that up specifically for a reason right now, or no, just talking? Okay, the only reason I I, I asked that is because I, it's interesting because that's actually happening kind of right now in the film industry with uh, a film that a lot of people were saying were was their front runner for the Oscar for Best Picture. So you're talking about a Birth of a Nation, right? And you know. There's I didn't I didn't hear any of this stuff I you know I haven't seen the movie yet but I didn't hear any of this stuff that was going on and I you know told someone they're like we were having a conversation about you know Oscar contenders and stuff and I was like yeah well from what I'm hearing you know the front runner is Birth of a Nation and they were like no they're like it's it's not going to do it because you know that guy's done horrible things and I'm like wait I'm like what are you what are you talking about <laughs> and they were like oh yeah you know the director of that like you know he did stuff and blah blah and I was like. Uh, I yeah. So I mean, I had no idea what they were talking about, and I really, I haven't gone and looked at that at all, uh, because I, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I again, I would like to think that that film can be separated from any sort of scandals, whether they're, you know, legitimate or whether they're made up or whatever. Like, I'm not saying it is or it isn't. In that case, I don't know. I don't know anything about that or what happened that I, I really don't want to know right now, but. I don't. I don't know. To me, I, I don't think it should. I just, you know, I I could understand you looking at a movie and being like, oh, well, this is a movie about this, or this is a movie promoting this. I don't want to support that. But I don't know. For me, it's difficult because I see how much work goes in to make a film, and it isn't just a one-man show or a one-woman show, and it never will be. Uh, well. <laughs> I say that again, and I was going to talk about something else today that kind of is a one-person show, but (laughs) so so there's contradictions to every rule that I'm saying here. (laughs) No, I just think that, I don't know, I think for me, I don't think that I would do that because I would want to potentially support all the other people that were involved in making that project. And I would also like to think that I could separate the person from the project enough to not be bothered by it. Well, I think it's interesting that you bring it up that way, that to separate the the person from the project, because Gabrielle Union is in the movie uh, Birth mm-hmm. of a Nation. And uh, as of a couple weeks ago, I think, and th- I'm all hearing this third person too. I haven't done the research myself, but... Uh, These she, are all alleged things that happened. Well, she uh, she came out and said that, you know, uh, at a very young age, she was raped, and now she's having to deal with the fact that you know she was in this movie, and she's dealing with her own trauma and stuff like that. So, it's interesting to, to think about the fact that you know having to separate the project from the person. Well, especially as as a as an actor, you know, I mean, it, it, like even you know, look at uh, uh, Woody Allen. I mean, not that he necessarily did anything illegal. Um, I well, don't know that he did or he didn't. Well, there's new um, allegations that he did do some illegal things. That's fine. They're allegations. I'm, we're not making any definitive statements right. here. But I'm just saying, like, there's a lot of people that, you know, would look at that situation and, and be like, okay, I don't agree with this. I'm never going to watch any of his other movies. And I mean, I, I've, 
not really been a, like a huge fan of of his style of comedy per se, but I I've I don't know, I've never just looked at a movie and been like, "Oh, well, like I'm going to go not watch this because I, I don't know. I just I don't think that I would approach it that way. I think I very much would separate the the person from the project, you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't, I just don't watch Woody Allen movies cuz I don't like Woody Allen movies. <laughs> Fair enough. There's nothing, nothing wrong with that. And I mean, I think, I, I don't know. That's getting a whole other thing, but that's what this podcast is about. I think that, you know. You're just asking all the tough questions. He made, today, man. He made Annie Hall back in the day, which is, you know, uh, and once again, if it's a movie before 1985, there's a good chance I haven't seen it because I, just because, you know, I was born in 82. So I don't, I don't really know too many about it. I mean, I, I've seen the big ones. But I never saw Annie Hall, and I think you know he made that those that movie and other ones around that time, and you know they were revolutionary in the movie making business or however you put, want to put it. And he still sure. makes that same movie over and over, and people consider it uh, an honor to be in one of his movies still. And he gets a lot of big names and stuff like that. But the movies that I've seen, Curse of the Jade Scorpion, Small Time Crooks. Uh, most recently cafe society i didn't i don't think they're good i don't think they're funny i don't think they're clever i don't you know there's nothing i enjoy about them at all other than the actors yeah and i mean you know that's not to say that any of that's bad Uh, i think that that's kind of the thing with humor you know you have a specific style of humor that you enjoy as do i as do most people and you know if something it's a lot easier to be anti-humor than it is anything else. Like, if you watch a kind of mediocre action film, you're like, okay, but it's still action. If you watch a mediocre horror film, you're like, yeah, but it's horror. But, like, if you see a comedy movie and it does not appeal to your brand of humor, it's like, fuck that movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's it, that's just how it is. Like, people are less open-minded when it comes to their humor in my opinion. No, I, I, I totally get you. And I think, I actually, I think the same thing can be said about horror movies because I think a lot of people, not, I, I'm already the biggest non-supporter of horror movies in general because I feel they are usually very lackluster and the story doesn't go anywhere. But there are the good ones, the extremely good ones that are out there, like The Exorcist. This is a great movie, you yeah. know. Uh, but I think a lot of people put too much credence into the horror movies they saw when they were kids because it scared them and we don't get those they they constantly say they don't we don't have any scary horror movies anymore well it's like they're not made for you really anymore you know they're, they're made to scare younger people and yeah, yeah. you no, have real life problems you don't have to worry about say. the, the, the time the time that i stopped finding horror films frightening was when I received my first bill in the mail and I opened it and then I was like, okay, this is terrifying. I have real world problems now, not not mythological fantasy ones. But I mean, I agree. And I think it's cool that there's still people out there that can love the genre for what the genre is and appreciate it for the genre alone. And then I think you also do have a certain people that just naturally are scared easier or that they want to buy into being scared so much that they allow themselves to have such a suspension of disbelief that they are opening this door to it. And I I don't know. I think that's cool. Like, I, I mean, I agree. Like I would, 
I don't think I have an affinity for necessarily making horror films, but, you know, would I? Uh, yeah, and if I did take one on, would I love that film? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, you have to, or else why are you telling that story? You know what I mean? Like, why are you even working on that film if you don't absolutely love that project? I mean, sometimes it's money, but, you know, you can tell because the project suffers. So, but that is an interesting thing. But have you seen Jaws? That's a horror film. Jaws, yeah, I've seen Jaws. Jaws is... Jaws is amazing. Jaws is amazing, but that was, that was a very unique thing, I think, with uh, the way that Spielberg made that movie. You know, you didn't see... uh... You didn't see the the actual shark until almost the end of the movie, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I I think that's one element of it, and then I just think it it's a testament to because I mean that was fairly early on in Spielberg's career, and I I think it's really a testament to just how truly amazing of a filmmaker he is. You know what I mean? Like he definitely him, and I mean, there's like a handful of people that could probably come out of the gate that strongly in their career and, and just have masterfully crafted something so perfect. Like, like that's tough. Like that's really tough to do. And, and he does it consistently still like it's crazy. Fair enough. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, there's, like I said, there's a handful of, of actual horror movies that are actually really good and that break, break out of the, you know, both of us, when we met, we were working at Blockbuster, so we both mm-hmm. know how many different horror movies come out every week in in video uh, video yep. form. So you got to imagine now, without the actual video stores to go to between Redbox and Video on Demand, I, I wonder what the, what it's like still. But uh, yeah, they're easiest to, to make, I would assume. Uh, I don't know that I would say they're the easiest to make necessarily i think anytime you have a movie i think that's a challenge in and of itself i think i think that you know there's it's it's interesting to me that horror is one of those things that it's always traditionally been successful and i think it's again i think it goes back to the same thing where you know on the on the scale of the spectrum i think we forgive or we're willing to forgive horror films significantly more than we are action or drama or comedy, you know? And I think that that's kind of why, and I don't know why that is. I don't know what it is in, in our psychology or our society or whatever. That's like, Oh, horror gets a pass on everything. It's totally fine. And maybe it's just the sense that it's like, if it's bad, it can still be enjoyable to watch. Whereas like, if you get a bad drama that doesn't have any drama, like you're not going to really watch that. You're going to be like, okay, I'm done. This movie's boring, whatever. But like with horror, it, it's one of those things where it seems as if you can make a truly great horror film and it can become an iconic film. Like you said, like Jaws or Exorcist to name a few. Or you can make a movie that's literally so bad that it becomes a comedy and people still enjoy it for that reason, even if that wasn't the original intent of the filmmakers that were involved. And you really can't do that with any other genre. Like, not really, you know? And so I think that that's why it's one of those things where it's like, you can have a horror film that comes out on Christmas and it's still going to be profitable and do well. You can have a horror film that comes out on Valentine's day and it's still going to go out and be profitable. Uh, or, you know, most likely it's going to be profitable as long as you don't spend a ridiculous amount of money to make it. But, but yeah, I, I, that is an interesting thing to point out about the genre in, in general. 
I think I think it's I mean just how, how what you're like explaining you know the horror movie genre itself can be then split up into so many subgenres of slasher or thriller or monster or haunted house or uh, ghost or exorcism or you know demon possession it's it's incredible and you know yet we're still you're still going for that same uh, thrill from any one of those so uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, uh, look, I, I'm not, I wasn't trying to, uh, you know, put down anybody that makes horror movies or makes movies in general. I'm just saying that I feel that when they make horror movies, especially the ones that, you know, you get at least three of them a week, uh, it's because you can hire young actors and actresses that no one really knows, put them into a, a, a sound, sound studio and, you know, get a a dude with a, a hockey mask and a machete and there you go let it let him go at it but then again what we get kevin bacon from the original friday the 13th and we get johnny depp from the original uh nightmare on elm street so you never know no i mean it, it is very true I, and I, I wasn't trying to say that you were putting him down i just think in general that sometimes people tend to think less of them and You know, I don't think that's necessarily true. I don't think that's what you were doing. But yeah, no, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, you can totally go in and I think you can get, again, it goes back to the same thing. We're more forgiving for the acting in a horror film than we are anything else. So, you know, if you do get a newcomer to the table and they're maybe not quite as good as what they'll become, like, obviously you go back and like you said, you look at Johnny Depp and Kevin Bacon, like, I doubt when they were hired for those roles that anybody thought like, hey, they're going to go forward and become these iconic things so much so that one of them has a game based around his name that people play. Like, (laughs) I mean, that's, that's pretty iconic. So yeah, I, I, you know, I think that that is definitely one of the great things that you can do with, with horror is you can take those risks on actors and actresses and things like that, that, you know, maybe haven't been quite as tested within the box office or the Hollywood system and they can still go forward and become mega stars. So yeah, like that's, pretty incredible exactly um with with the that kind in mind um i was i was thinking about how uh kevin bacon you know is in a lot of movies and that's why they have the kevin bacon game one movie that he's not in that we we actually ended up watching and this is and this was because of me because of the whole 1985 rule that i have for myself uh, I'd never seen Platoon, and I kind of asked you to watch Platoon so that we could mm-hmm. talk about that because uh, I had been watching or listening to uh, the Kevin Pollack chat show podcast, and he had John C. McGinley on there, and uh, you know who that is, right? Yes. Yeah, Dr. Cox from Scrubs. Yeah, okay. he's Sergeant O'Neill in Platoon. Yeah, Sergeant O'Neill in Platoon, and uh he had asked him about how, why, you know, why it is that he's worked so many times with, uh, Oliver Stone because he, I mean, I remember him also being in, uh, any given Sunday, which I watched recently, like about a week ago, which also made me want to watch platoon. Cause I didn't realize Mm -hmm. how many people were actually in platoon. I mean, Johnny Depp's in platoon. Uh, uh, who else we got? You got, uh, Charlie Sheen, Charlie Willem Sheen, Defoe, Willem Keith Defoe, David, Keith uh, David, Forrest Whitaker was in there. Tony Todd, yep. Um, gosh, John C. McGinley. Yeah, I mean, 
there's there is a lot of people in this movie and i mean i i know you know me for quite a while and what's kind of like my kind of rule for uh for movies is i usually don't watch more war movies i really don't enjoy mm-hmm. them i think they're all usually kind of the same storyline and stuff but uh, i wanted to watch this because of all the people that were in it and and i really i think i i for the most part enjoy oliver stone movies so mm-hmm. i kind of wanted to check this out and what would you say his like his kind of style is for making movies? Oh my gosh! Because um, he also he also made a uh, uh, Natural Born Killers, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, most recently he just did Snowden. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, gosh, I you know I don't know that I am really familiar enough with his work to really pinpoint his specific style because i mean i've seen i you know and that was what's funny you asked me about platoon and i was like yeah i've seen it but it was like a really long time ago and um i hadn't really watched it since but i mean he really kind of went off the radar for like four years there because he did what savages and then i think that was kind of it until Snowden. So I mean, he's been off for like five or six, four or five years, somewhere in there. Well, I didn't see, I didn't see Snowden recently or ever. But uh, you know, between Natural Born Killers, uh, any given Sunday, and now Platoon, I, I, to me, it, it, I don't know the way that his movies always come off is that they're they're a little bit, they feel a little bit more real than anything else. I don't know if you, got, yeah. you get that feeling too. I mean, I would definitely say that he has a like that he strives for a certain sort of realism but i mean yeah like because i'm even just trying to think it was like okay so he's done any given sunday natural born killers i would say natural born killers is definitely his most well-known film probably right he did platoon um i think he did jfk with um what's his face kevin costner okay but I mean, outside of that, like, I mean, I know he's done a lot more films than that. Oh, he did the, um, he did that movie with Nicolas Cage, World Trade Center. He did that one as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So I mean, I, I guess I would kind of, in a sense, say that his films are a little bit more like political based. Well, uh, like in the, they deal with politics of, of either, you know, like, you said it in any given Sunday, it's like the politics and how the world works of football right? or how his perception of the world works with football. And I mean, platoons kind of that way. It's kind of him putting a microscope to uh, how he perceived Vietnam was. And, um, you know, so yeah, I mean, that might be a fair assumption to say that he's kind of striving for a little bit more realistic approach to it. In a, in so if you take like this movie and Full Metal Jacket and part of Forrest Gump, where you know they're all kind of I, I, they're all kind of you know representing the same war at, at, at parts. Uh, mm-hmm. Is it, it? I don't know. I, is it strange how you can see three different just from those three different movies, three different interpretations of what uh, you know happened happened in that time period over there. I mean, I don't think there's really that much of a difference between 
what they're trying to say it was like with those movies. You know what I mean? Like they all paint a pretty crappy picture of being over there and the stresses and problems that come along with it. True. But like, if you look at like Gump's squad, you don't see them going into a village and, and pulling people out of holes and, and like interrogating them and, and raping kids or raping young women. Like you did in, uh, in platoon. No, but I mean, I like. I think if you're going to compare Platoon, I think comparing it to Full Metal Jacket and Apocalypse Now is probably a better comparison than Forrest Gump. Well, no, I understand I mean, I that, think... but that's what I'm saying is that the fact that you can have such different views in such in in different types of movies. I mean, obviously, one is more of a family friendly movie than the other. Well, right, and that, and that's kind of I guess what I mean is like because you look at like Full Metal Jacket and Platoon, like they're both pretty gruesome and i mean they they like with the vietnam sequence in um forest gump i mean it's still pretty i mean it's not quite as bad in terms of like it's not painting certain soldiers in such a bad light as what you would have with platoon but i mean like you know they go over there and like all those people get messed up and uh, lieutenant dan loses his legs so I mean, like it's still pretty bad. Yeah, I no, mean, I, it's definitely not as aggressive uh, tonality-wise as uh, Platoon is. You know what I mean? Oh, you know what? We totally forgot to mention Tom Berenger. He's in that movie in Platoon, and man, oh, is yes. his character like? I mean, I don't want to say he's evil, but he's he's a bad dude. Yeah, I'd say evil's a pretty good representation. <laughs> word to represent him for sure like yeah i mean he i mean like when he kills you know willem dafoe's character it's like oh what (laughs) that's messed up but no he's a great performer and he does a great job in that as well i thought everyone did a pretty good job the only guy that i really wasn't a big fan of is the guy that looks like a super young scott adkins uh he was like the guy that was kind of leading the pot smoker house and, oh yeah, that the one that basically had to take over Willem Dafoe's uh, squad after he died. Right, right. I, I don't remember what his name was, but yeah, I don't either. But he looked like Scott Adkins to me, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, this is so weird," because I know that there's no way that that's actually Scott Adkins in the movie. Number one, and number two, like I don't know, he was doing this like weird thing where it, it just sounded like he was trying to have a weird voice through the whole movie. I, did and like, I don't know. Maybe that's what they were going for. I but. did like his his walking stick that he had like barbed wire wrapped around the end of it for some reason. I thought that was strange to have out in the, you know, the battlefield. It was very strange. And then at the end, he's just like pounding his uh, M16 into his chest, and then like raising, you know, he's raising the the barbed wire sheet up into the air or not sheet stick up into the air and he's just like ah <laughs> maybe he and was like he was a sand person <laughs> yeah he's a tuscan raider <laughs> that would explain a lot no like i i think that was the only thing that i i really didn't kind of understand why that was the choice they made i'm sure that there is a reason and maybe someone that went through that or was closer to that time period and what was going on would maybe get what they were going for but i i don't know that just kind of lost me a little bit like i just didn't understand that choice but oh and then also speaking of the fact that how we talked about earlier about uh 
uh, Talladega Nights and uh, Days of Thunder, I that scene is how I've never seen Platoon before. I I realized how many st- how many jokes Tropic Thunder is making, at, you know, because of Platoon. Yeah, well, I mean, all those movies. Like, if you look at it, it's it's got references in there to Apocalypse Now, and yeah, it, but but you're right. It definitely tends to make those things more humorous when you have an understanding of what they're parodying, you know, and, right. and why they're doing it. I, I definitely agree. Cause another one, that was another one that I just, I thought was hilarious when it came out was Tropic Thunder. And I was like, Oh, this is, this is awesome. Oh, I, I love Tropic Thunder when it came out. I thought it was a great movie, but now I appreciate it more. Well, and, and you know, it's funny cause speaking of Tom Cruise, which we did earlier, I had heard rumors that they wanted to do a standalone spinoff of his character, Lester. Yeah. And like, Les they wanted to have Tom Cruise do a whole, yeah. Or that's what it was. Wes Grossman. Sorry. I don't know where I got Lester from. Well, no, it was um, Les. Les Grossman. L-E-S. Oh, it's, it's, okay. Sorry. I was like, oh, I thought that was right. But okay. <laughs> yeah. They wanted to do like a whole movie out of his character. And I just remember thinking like, yes, this is the best thing I've heard of today. <laughs> like, why are we not doing this? And then it just, I don't know what happened. It, it never panned out. And, I think that's kind of unfortunate. I think that would have been a hilarious film to see played out. But yeah, I think uh, you know you're right. I, I did remember hearing that. And I don't know why it didn't it didn't happen. And I think maybe you might be a little bit more interested in that movie. I, trust me, I would I'd want to see it too. But I think because he's this big Hollywood producer, and you really want to be in that industry, you you want to see like you know how accurate it could be, or you know how scared shitless you should be or whatever i want to see him and then i want like so he's the this is this is my pitch for the movie we've got we've got less aka tom cruise here pitted up against a rival agent slash producer producer played by jeremy piven who's basically <laughs> reprising his role from entourage <laughs> I think that would be the most amazing like, well, movie. Now, would he about be? Would he be like uh, reprising his role as Ari Gold, the the agent, or Ari Gold, the head of the studio? Because in the movie, See, he's the exactly. head of the studio. <laughs> exactly, he can do both. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. It's, the, it's like rags to riches battle between the two of them as as they're going through their journeys. <laughs> To overtake Hollywood. Well, you know what? I, I would say thanks for uh, watching this movie with me because, uh, like I said, I'd never seen it and I, I kind of wanted to now that I had known so many people were in it. And I, I think I have a more appreciation for Oliver Stone movies um, just as because I've gotten older. Uh, I, and, and this is going to be a big shocker to everybody, but I need to I need to watch JFK also. Because <laughs> I've you never have seen Natural Born Killers. I have seen Natural Born Killers, but I've never seen JFK. Well, it's it's interesting, too, because I haven't seen this movie. I don't even know how long it's been. I haven't seen it in a long time. And it's funny because whenever you see, like, the kind of iconic image of the guy on his knees with his hands up in the air, it's kind of always silhouetted. And I, I don't know why, but I always remembered that being Charlie Sheen's character. <laughs> and then when I was watching it again, I like, you know, like uh, today or yesterday, whenever it was, it was yesterday. Um, I I was literally like, oh my gosh, that was actually not Charlie Sheen at all. That was Willem Dafoe's character. <laughs> so like, I think it's cool when you can go back and watch these movies that obviously I saw when I was much much younger and didn't quite have as as you know good of a understanding of 
movies and plots and stuff like that or well that and just even like the the I didn't have quite the investment in the films as I do now. So I think like I'm getting a lot more out of them and I'm paying a lot more attention to certain details. But even then, like I still like, I don't know. I I enjoy the movie, but did you find it hard to watch? I didn't. I don't mean, I don't know. No, I I, I don't know. And why did, why did you feel that way? Just, just because of the material or no, it didn't, it didn't have anything to do with the material. I just, I don't know. I, I was, it was really curious. Like maybe it's just on me. Maybe it's the frame of mind or state of mind or whatever you want to call it that I was in while, when I was watching it. But I just remember watching it. And I was just like, okay, like, yeah, I, I mean, this, this is a thing that happened and people were doing this. Well, and... I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say that I enjoyed the movie as much as I enjoy, you know, enjoy other movies, but I, I I never felt like it was, I was having difficulty watching it or, you know, staying invested in it or anything like that. I just, I, I was interested in, in, in these characters. And, you know, that's one of the biggest things about me when I watch movies is I love characters. And I think for such a big cast, you have a lot of, uh, fleshed out characters and, and, uh, for this story and you, you know, who's got what type of, uh, mentality and what, you know, what's their end goal? What is it they want kind of thing? So, no, I, I totally agree. <clears throat> um, I will say it's it's funny though because this movie was in '86, so I still don't know if you're really helping your rules of <laughs> movies before '85. But it's 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 close enough. It's close enough. I, I mean, I'm I, I, okay. I'm four, so '86 is still. I think it's still around <laughs> in that area. Have you, uh, since we've kind of circled around it a little bit, have you watched Apocalypse Now? Uh. I don't think I've actually ever watched the whole thing. I know I've seen the the scene between Brando and uh, uh, Martin Sheen, but other so than that... what you should do, and what everyone listening should do that hasn't perhaps done this already, you should watch Apocalypse Now, the Redux, and or then the original. Just the the original is fine. Okay, um, and then go and watch a documentary that was done by Francis Ford Coppola's wife called hearts of darkness okay and it will literally scare the crap out of you when you're trying to become a filmmaker (laughs) literally anything and everything that could ever possibly go wrong on his movie went wrong on his movie including martin sheen having a heart attack in the middle of the the project and like they did that, there there was like a big like uh, typhoon or something that came through and destroyed one of their sets. And then like they were using uh, I forget where it was at, but they were using the actual military's helicopters. But they were actually they were actively uh, engaged in a conflict, so they would like literally have to just leave in the middle of filming to go actually fight. And then they would fly back and be flying and doing like this the the flight choreography stuff for the movie. So, I mean, it is literally crazy, and it's, like, one of the most fascinating documentaries I've seen on on kind of filmmaking. So you should definitely do that. I would recommend it to uh, everyone. All right. I love documentaries about filmmaking or, or behind-the-scene documentaries, so I will definitely have to do that. Uh, but you know what? We are at an hour again, so... Jeez, really? <laughs> it goes by quick when we're, when we're having fun. Uh, I still I had <laughs> so much more to say. <laughs> well, you know what? You know where a good place it is? You can go you can say those things. You can write an article on our, our, our website, geekleetradio.com, and then you know more people oh. can go there, and you can share it on Facebook and talk to people there, too. That's true. So, That's very true. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, I'm on Twitter at, at agent underscore of the underscore bat. 
Uh, Richard, you're on Twitter. Yes, I am at Ry Cohen, so R-I-C-O-W-N. You can find me on there, and you can tell it's me if you know what my animated face looks like, because that's <laughs> what my profile is. That is what my new profile picture is, too, is because of Richard and his uh, awesome artistry. So uh, we're both, uh, you can find us there. You can also go and check out Geek Elite Radio at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter, Geek Elite Radio on Facebook, and geekeliteradio.com for now we have an archived episode of this podcast and other podcasts hey. on our, our, our network, on the Geekly Radio Network. But uh, until next week, Richard, this has been uh, the Mitch and Rich Show on the Geekly Radio Network saying always remember to geek out. Geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.